Inner chaos is part of so many lives. When we go through it, we often try to hide it on the outside. Now I'm okay. I'm all good. But inside, there's a struggle. Why do I feel this way? Am I broken? Am I the only one feeling like this? When people connected with Jesus, they would grow to trust Him, pull down the mask they wore. All right, well, when, when some of us uh, uh, hear about this word burnout, we think about uh, what, squealing tires, right? And rubber burning in, in, the, in the road, right? Is what we, we most associate with that term. Uh, well, I've been uh, given the opportunity, and um, I don't know, it's a, it's a privilege to be here, but it's also a really huge subject. So I'm going to dive right into it and, and try and cover a really big topic in a short span of time. So you can take notes if you like. Uh, or you can have very good memories, um, or you can watch the video later on. All right. Um, burnout that we're talking about is a bit different to the, the wheels burning and, and all the smoke going up on, on the tires in the car park. And uh, I'll tell you a story. And it's in 1984, I came to New Zealand as, as a missionary to a church in Palmerston North to help run a thing called a discipleship training school there. And uh, one of the pastors there uh, kind of took me under his wing. His name was Eric. Uh, he was a fantastic guy. And um, he had a big influence in my life. In fact, over the next 12 years, um, he was going to teach me a lot. And he ended up modeling to me a lot of what pastoring really is, is all about. And then in 1995, uh, my wife and daughters and I, we were living in Auckland. And uh, Eric and his wife, Jenny, were living in Auckland. They invited us to help them start a church. And so we did that. We dove into that and had a great time together. And then in 1997, um, we decided to shift to Portland, Oregon, because uh, my dad had Parkinson's. His health was declining. And we wanted to go and be near them, particularly one of my girls, to get to know my dad and my, my mom and my family. And so we started a new life there. And in the meantime, Eric and Jenny carried on doing pastoral ministry um, in Auckland. And so eventually we got to 2002, and we built up a whole heap of air miles um, through living in the USA. And we thought, right, we're going to take a trip back to New Zealand. We're going to catch up with family and friends. And uh, part of that, uh, we were going to visit uh, Eric and Jenny, which would be uh, kind of one of the highlights of our trip. And so I had heard that Eric had had a burnout but I didn't really know what that meant or really kind of e even what that was. Um, and so we're on our visit to New Zealand and the day comes when we drive to Eric and Jenny's house out in West Auckland. And we pull up to the house, we get to the door and we knock and Jenny meets us at the door and she proceeds to tell us, tell me a sentence which I will, I'll never forget. Um, she said, well, you're not gonna be able to see Eric today uh, because he's in bed, he's really tired and weak, and he can't get out of bed. And I said to her, we, we can't see Eric? And she said, no, you're not going to be able to see him. And I'm thinking, we've traveled 11,500 kilometers. I said to Jenny, I said, can't, can't we see him? And she said, no. I'm, I'm, he, can't, he can't see people. And so she invited us in, and she offered us a cup of tea, 
and uh, some cake. And um, I was desperate to see Eric. He, he was a really big and meaningful, important person in my life. And so eventually I kind of forced my way into his room and, um, and, uh, and, 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 and shook his hand. Um, and he was lying on the bed. And I learned in that visit from his wife that basically he, he, was, he was bedridden due to burnout. And in fact, as the time was going to go by, it was an, an entire year that uh, he, was, he was out of action. And so for Eric, it just had been this catastrophic thing. And he was really the first person I knew that had had an experience like that. So what is this burnout thing that we hear about? Well, according to our friends at Wikipedia, um, burnout is the psychological term for an experience of long-term exhaustion and diminished interest which results from an accumulation of stress factors which gradually exceeds the individual's coping mechanisms. You got all that? That's quite a mouthful, all right? And um, note that burnout can happen to anyone kind of anywhere uh, in almost any setting. I mean, it can happen to an electrician or a plumber, it can happen to a, a doctor, it can happen to an artist, school teacher, um, mom, dad, it can happen to just about anybody. But it does happen in the workplace. And so speaking of work-related burnout, uh, the Journal of Psychology Review, it says this. It's another definition. Burnout is, prolonged, is a prolonged response to chronic emotional interpersonal stressors on the job and is defined by the three dimensions of exhaustion, cynicism, and inefficacy. Well, inefficacy is a big word for sitting at your desk and staring at the screen and the lights are on but nobody's home. Um, you ever experienced that, or you've had a coworker that's done that? Um, yep, yep, um, seen that. And but burnout is also a bit more than that. And so a friend of ours, who in fact is a personal friend, his name is David Rudell, and he lives in Nelson. Um, I like his definition. Uh, it says, "When my emotional outgoings exceed my incomings, the upkeep will be my downfall." You like that? Burnout often begins with an undiagnosed emotional bruise, but can also originate in unresolved grief, loss, being overstressed, or ongoing severe cognitive dissonance due to some kind of circumstantial bind. Yep, well, that, that definition right there we probably could just unpack for all the rest of the evening, but we won't. But most of us associate burnout as a response to stress. Is that right? Yeah, most of us do. But David's definition there, it shows us that there's other factors that can push us down the path of burnout. But however, stress is a biggie, isn't it? It's a big one. Uh, we live in a setting where stress is very real, and it constantly affects us. In fact, um, medical people experience this. Uh, and this guy called Ellen Alkin, he he found research to support this statement. It's up on the screen. 75 to 90% of all visits to primary care physicians are for stress-related complaints or conditions. Can you believe that? 75 to 90% of all visits to primary care physicians. In fact, I have four older brothers. One of them is a, is a surgeon, and he had a practice as a general surgeon. And I was talking with him one time. His name's Brian. I said, so Brian, of all the patients that you have, how many of them, as they come to you with their illness, do you think that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's psychological or stress-related? And he said, oh, 80%. And I said, 
And he said, yep, I, he said, I, that, that's what I reckon. I said, so you're saying they come to you and the thing that you end up cutting out of them, you think it originates for those reasons? He said, yep, that's right. It's pretty significant. And it tells us that, uh, you know, we must do self-care and we must have a strategy in dealing with stress. And last week, Craig Vernal was up here talking about depression. He talked about the need for us to go to a GP and uh, how for many of us as guys, that might be the only time that we talk to someone about what's going on inside of us. And you can see from that quote up there that that's true, that uh, we tend to go to the doctors uh, because of stress-related stuff going on in our lives. Well, here's another definition of burnout. And we just heard from someone up here uh, where this lady called Anne Dillon Schneider, gorgeous name, she said, um, for the Christian worker, burnout can be due to the starvation of the soul. How about that? So sometimes Christian workers, pastors and missionaries, um, we can be good at self-care, but we can still burn out. Um, and, and sadly, this can be due to the fact that we're doing a lot for God, but we're not being with God and we're not attending to our inner world and our, in, our inner soul. And um, I don't know if that's what happened for Pip, but uh, it can happen for us if, we are, if we're not careful and being busy and doing for God all the time. And there's a, a guy called John Ortberg that wrote a book. I don't know if you can see it, but it's called Soul Keeping. Soul Keeping. And in this book, John Ortberg brings a challenge to us to really attend well to what's going on in our soul. He says anxiety, depression, fear, loneliness. These are all symptoms of a soul, soul that has lost touch with its source of life. Like a flower snipped from the vine, the soul that is not turned toward God can only wither away. And so he talks about that thing in here, about the starvation of the soul and how that God's desire for us is for that not to happen. All right, well, what if, though, you have not experienced burnout, and you may not experience it? Um, our, our friend Dave Riddell, he came up with something that was very helpful to me. And he said that there might be signs that you're heading towards burnout. You wonder what those are? Well, he calls it a brownout. So I'm going to give you some symptoms or signs of a brownout. And what's a brownout? You may know what a brownout is. Just speak out really quickly. What is it? Yeah, when the, there you go. When the power drops and your lights turn kind of brown or yellow. Anybody have that experience? Seen that? Anybody been in India? Okay, maybe it's only a few of us. Um, happens all the time in countries overseas. All right, so brownout, here we go. Here's some early warning signs. Number one, an increasing inability to concentrate or prioritize, a loss of short-term memory. Number two, yeah, well, well she's laughing there. Um, we, we won't attribute that. Okay, all right, all right, that's okay. That must have got her just like that, boom. All right, number two, an all-pervading weariness not fixed by sleep. Got that? An all-pervading weariness, not fixed by sleep. Waking up early, yet unrefreshed. Not looking forward to the day. Mildly depressed, as in empty and dry, like the tank is empty. Number three, avoidance of people, anything difficult, or any social obligations. Even small demands, they cause anger or anxiety. Increasing narcissism and a loss of enthusiasm for life. Okay, those are some signs of brownout. We'll continue. 
Number four, hiding in front of the TV, a smartphone, or a gaming computer. In other words, it's a way to avoid people. Number five, cracks in your health. Your immunity and your resistance is down. Number six, a loss of spiritual energy, as in a loss of the sense of God's approval or, or nearness. And when you pray, like the, the heavens are like, like brass. Some more signs of brownout. Number seven, feeling caught or trapped, a feeling of disconnectedness, feeling beaten by a situation, dispute or predicament, a loss of enthusiasm. That's a good, the key sign. Number eight, libido, that's your sexual drive. It reduces or it escalates. Physical touch might be craved or avoided depending on whether it feels like comfort or obligation. Number nine, it can be resentful or angry or jealous. Um, sorry, that's the spouse or the children. They are either resentful, angry, or jealous due to lacking the attention that they also need. You following that? Yeah, so these are signs or symptoms uh, that where brownout is like a precursor. It can happen before burnout takes place. And I'll tell you a little bit about, about my own story. I was working as a pastor up in Auckland at Royal Oak Baptist Church. And um, in January of 2011, we had a 39-year-old lady who was a mother of three. She uh, had fought breast cancer for four years prior to that, and uh, she lost that battle. And she, when she died, uh, there was a group of people that were just intensely upset and, and grieving because um, there had been a large group of people that were believing for her to be physically healed, and, uh, and she wasn't. And so it was one of the saddest funerals that I've ever done uh, for this lady. And what happened was it, it, it pushed us as a congregation into this kind of grieving process that ended up going a lot longer than I thought would happen or that any of us really thought would happen. And in fact, we had some people in our church, they got really upset about this lady's death. And so because it didn't fit into their theology, their ideas, they left our church. And what did that do? Well, that just caused more grief um, to those of us who stayed because that was just more loss. And, um, and so that, I, that, and that entire year just ended up being extremely draining for me. And so I got to the end of that year very low, and I had most, if not all, of those symptoms you just saw up on the screen. And um, it was important uh, for me, you know, to take action. And, uh, you know, God helped me because I took some steps to make sure that I didn't kind of move over, you know, into the burnout phase, uh, which, which can be pretty serious. Um, and... It, uh, it, it led me as well to realizing the need to have a, a mentor or a supervisor in my life, someone who I can talk to and be open and real with, uh, because that, that in that instance it made all the difference. But then you fast forward a few years, and once again I was in a really, really low point. And uh, this time I ended up with a, a guy who was both a counselor and a supervisor, in the beginning of 2015, and he just made a huge, huge difference in my life. Um, he was very skilled, and he once again kind of carefully navigated and helped me to avoid going into a, a burnout pattern. All right? Well, what are some possible causes of burnout? What do you think? What are some possible causes? Number one, how about working too long and too hard? That's kind of an obvious one. 
Um, but you know, working too long and too hard, that's always symptomatic of a deeper thing that's going on in your life. In other words, my sense of worth might be based on achieving or succeeding. My self-worth might be reliant upon that. I, I feel good about myself because of how hard I work or how long that I work. I worked with a guy in the, in the United States. Uh, a normal work day for him was 14 hours to 16 hours. Um, he, he was absolutely a workaholic. He didn't need to work that long, but that, that's what he did. Uh, because entirely his self-worth was connected to that, uh, to how hard he could work and how long he could work. And I was concerned it was going to put him in the grave a bit early. Uh, number two, uh, is it medical in nature? In other words, sometimes it is. Sometimes you have hyperthyroidism, you might have an iron or zinc deficiency, you might have a mineral salt or some other type of deficiency. Get a checkup. Remember that the brain is a biological organ as well. All right, so that's, that can be the importance of going to the doctor, getting a blood test, having that track you um, over time to see if something like that's going on. Number three, is there a suppressed grief or loss or a childhood or a historical trauma that's never been acknowledged or reworked? Suppressed grief or loss is a significant contributor to burnout. Did you hear that? Suppressed grief or loss is a significant contributor to burnout. Our culture doesn't model grieving well to us. And so we tend to have hurtful and sad and disappointing things happen in our lives. We just kind of move on, right? Kind of, I'm going to get on with it, get on with my life. But what happened is those things don't go away. Those losses that we experience, they just kind of get put in a big bag. We, just kind of, we end up carrying this big sack. It just kind of gets heavier and heavier, this invisible sack of all these losses and griefs, for instance, that we can experience. And they do affect us. And so sometimes they can express themselves in this thing that we call burnout. Number five, potential cause of burnout, that you've lost the range of your life. For instance, you're not working in your real gifting. And may, that might be due to being dominated by some big person in your life or a circumstance that you're in where you're just constantly working in an area that's just not your gifting. It really just doesn't fit you. Uh, perhaps your job is just too open-ended. It's just too wide. Or maybe you're self-employed or you're commission only. Um, and maybe you don't have the maturity or the self-discipline to handle an environment like that. I knew a man in the United States that was true for him. He was self-employed and he didn't have the self-discipline. His life was just too open-ended. You ever met anybody like that? Yeah, no. Um, and it kind of took him down the path of, of burnout. Or maybe you could be loyal to completely unrealistic expectations and you're just not aware of that. Or maybe you lack the skills to negotiate or renegotiate the terms of your life. Uh, with, with a spouse or with your uh, employer. Number six, is there too much stink thinking? You've got old patterns of discouraging thoughts uh, that they've, they've set you, they've been set up there in your, in your formative years, and uh, they might have been there a long time. And so may, maybe it's just second nature now that you don't realize that you've got these negative and stink thinking, Dave Riddell calls them, that goes on in your mind and that feeds this negativity that's going on for you, all right? What about number seven? Do you have a problem with boundaries? Has that ever happened to any of us? No, everybody here is very quiet. Um, you have a problem with boundaries. You say yes to almost any request that comes along. Maybe you do that because of a fear of disappointing um, people, maybe important people in your life. Um, 
And it leaves, this leaves the pleaser under constant pressure uh, or the fear of conflict or rejection. It can create a very tired mind. A lack of boundaries and negotiation skills result in working on others' terms to the detriment of yourself, your spouse, your family. You got that? So that can happen. You might have a lack of boundaries or negotiation skills, and so you're just, you're just on a path of burnout. How about number eight? It's a, it's a big term, cognitive dissonance. You're living as a double-minded person, and when that happens, it can be very exhausting. Have you ever known somebody like that? Maybe you have. Maybe you've got contradictory beliefs and practices, and those can be fed by unrealistic expectations. And those can often be rooted in, in real personal insecurity. You guys with me on that? You guys are hanging in there. I told you there'd be a lot of stuff. Um, let me give you some signs of burnout, some signs. Here are some signs. Decreased energy, chronic sleeping disorders, exhaustion, feeling of failure, reduced sense of reward in your vocation, a loss of mental efficiency and engagement, a sense of helplessness, and an inability to see a way out of problems. Cynicism and negativism about self, God, others, work, and the world generally. Demoralization, a belief that one is no longer uh, effective. Here's some more signs. Depersonalization, you're treating yourself or God and others in an impersonal way. So this is how you know that you have actually gone into burnout. Detachment, you withdraw from responsibilities. Distancing, you avoid social and interpersonal contacts. And you just feel defeated. The feeling of being beaten, a depressed mood state. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound like a happy place to be? No, that's stuff that all feeds burnout. Now, you might think this is um, just for, for older people, right? Well, when I lived in Auckland, I was part of a, a group of pastors. We would meet once a month. It was about 10 or 11, almost 12 of us, of central Auckland Baptist pastor churches. We had a, a, a church in our geographic cluster with a guy that he was in his mid-30s when he became pastor of a church of about 350 people. And he launched into that with great gusto. And he'd been part of our group, um, oh, I think for two years. And I remember I came to a meeting of our cluster, and um, this guy, our leader, Murray, Murray Cottle, he, he told us something which just absolutely shocked all of us in the room. I'll change the guy's name. I'll say his name is John. Murray said, you know, guys, John has had to go back to country X, which was his country of origin. And that's because he's, he's had a burnout. Murray went on to say that John uh, came to the elders and just said to them, I'm really tired and I have to quit. And they were like, what? And it just came out of the blue. And he said, I am. I'm so tired, I'm going to have to quit. And so he did quit, and then he went back to his country. And Murray tracked with him over the next number of months. And I remember being at, a, at one of our cluster meetings about three months later, and Murray had been on phone or on the Skype with people who were caring for this guy. And he said that 
this guy had had such a catastrophic burnout that he, he could only see people for a maximum of 15 minutes per day. Um, otherwise, no one was allowed to go into his room and interact with him. And he, this guy was probably 37 years old at this point. And so I was just shocked by that, absolutely shocked. And as far as I know, he's, he's, he's come through that, he's recovered that. But what shocked myself and my colleagues, my fellow pastors, was we had no idea that this was happening for this guy. We would have, um, we'd break into twos or threes, and our leader guy would say, hey, why don't you just talk about what's going on in your life? This is your chance to talk about what's going on in your life, pray with each other. I myself did that with this guy who I called John, and not one time did he ever share anything really of what was going on for him um, with, with any of us. So, wow, that's a concern. Well, how do you know if you're in the crisis phase of burnout? How do you know that? Well, here's some more stuff from David Riddell. Number one, you have a sudden burst of fear or dread or anxiety. You might have a panic or a rage attack. Uh, you might have this inability to stop crying, running away, hiding, completely withdrawing from people and noise. Some of what, like I've just mentioned, paranoid jealousy, stuttering and inability to communicate. Number two, a serious sleep loss or reluctance to leave the safety of your bed, sometimes causing a manic episode or even a psychosis. And I told a story a moment ago where that happened to my friend Eric. The good news with Eric, by the way, is that he came through that and he got a, a job and he got back into the workplace and eventually decided to study counseling, as often happens with people who study counseling. And he ended up getting an advanced degree in counseling, and he's worked as a counselor now for almost 15 years, helping people. And what do you think one of his areas of specialty is? Um, it is burnout. Yes, it is. And so if you struggle with that, or if you have a friend up in Auckland, I can tell you who to go to, because um, he's very good at helping people. In fact, he supervises pastors, and, uh, and he does marriage counseling, and he's very, very effective at what he does. So it's a good good ending in his story. Um, number three, uh, crisis phase of burnout. You're looking for instant comfort by yielding to uncharacteristic bouts of binging, pornography, prostitution, alcohol, or just disappearing, taking off, and then feeling awful regret or remorse. Uh, developing compulsive attraction to opposite sex person who represents that needed comfort. That can be a sign that a person's in this crisis phase of burnout. And then number four, and this is a biggie, isn't it? Where we tend to hear that this is happening, where we find out thoughts of suicide or accident as a legitimate way out, they become increasingly attractive. All right? Thoughts of suicide or an accident as a legitimate way out. If that's happening for you, then I want to urge you to take action with that. Along those lines, like us to hear another story. So we're going to need a couple of stools here, I think. Right? Do we have time for that, Monica? Okay. Because um, uh, there's another story of someone who's part of Bethlehem Baptist. And so without further ado, I'm going to invite Mr. Bryce Gilmore to come on up. Let's give him a hand.
All right, Bryce. Now, Bryce, um, I think you've been part of Bethlehem Baptist for, I don't know, 12 years or 15 years? 17 years, been yeah. connected to Bethlehem yep, 17, Baptist. 17, yep. And you've been part of Steiger, this mission organization, for like 10 years? Mm -hmm. yeah. And New Zealand director for five years? Uh, Almost ten. five years? 10 years. Okay. Oh, five, yeah, five, five years. sorry. Yeah, five yeah. years, okay. Yep. Yeah, and then when I first met you, uh, you asked me to kind of supervise you uh, because another person who had been kind of wasn't able to anymore. And so you and I started meeting and talking. And then you, you shared something with me. This was kind of right at the end of 2015, I think. All right. Yep. And um, something big was happening for you. Can you just tell us about that? What was going on? <laughs> I guess it was, in my words, yeah, related to, to, to some of those symptoms. Where as a leader, I think as, as most of us, there's times you've got to suck it up and do what you need to do. Mm. That's part of life. Mm. But then when everything is you have to suck it up mm. and do it, that every morning it's, ah, okay, and you get it and you make yourself get through the day. Mm. But if you do that for a long period of time, get, like Eliza words, very tired, tired on the inside. Mm. Yeah, so I came yeah. to you very tired. You did. You were very tired, and um, you, you were concerned yep. um, about what? My wife was concerned. Your wife was concerned. <laughs> 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 well, you, you were very concerned, I think, about burnout, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course I was. Um, and I, I, I was, knew I was in God's call, mm. uh, but I knew I wasn't being effective. Um, okay. I just didn't have the capacity. Just the tanks were getting pretty empty. So the tanks were almost empty, mm -hmm. and uh, you know some of the signs we just had up there that I was talking about, were any of those happening for you? Yeah, 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 lack of sleep, um, you know, just avoidance of um, conflict and people and, and my job as people. So yeah, that's, that's gets a, a bit, bit tricky. tricky. <laughs> if that's the case, yeah, and maybe being irritable or... Um, you might, maybe my wife should be here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and so um, you and I talked about that, and for you, it was kind of like hitting a wall. I remember uh, how, how, we, how we processed it. And I guess for many of us here, you know, we face situations in our life where we kind of hit a wall. Right? And hitting a wall can be like a financial crisis or a health crisis or something happens with one of our children or we get laid off, made redundant. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can happen. Have a death, unexpected death. And it kind of brings us to this wall. Boom. And the challenge for us is to, is to find a way to not get stuck at that wall. That's what I found in my own life and with my friends I've journeyed with now for more than 30 years in Jesus. And as a pastor, many Christian people get stuck. Hey, we get stuck in our journey. And it's important when we come to a wall like what happened for you. So we talked about that, about let's not get stuck. But let's actually journey through the wall. And so what, what happened? Tell us about that. Uh, I took seven months off. Okay. Uh, sort of being last year, um, and it was very intentional. Um, first of all, rested, um, and then uh, did a lot of things. Counselling, uh, did this debriefing up in Auckland, and let God really uh, work, I guess, on my soul, and mm -hmm. had some revelations about myself mm -hmm. through the process, which were, yeah, I, I guess I, it's, we all have a picture of, of uh, who we are, and um, where we'd like to be. Mm. But then 
the more painful realization is is the gap between who I actually am mm. <laughs> um, okay. and where I should be, and realized, yeah, I actually wasn't good at some things. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, they, I, I thought, oh man, I'm I'm Bryce, I'm I'm the people guy, I'm really good at communication, mm. and then realized there's some aspects of my communication, particularly with conflict, oh, I sucked. Mm. I really did, mm. and I was angry with lots of people because I thought. They had been unfair, but then when I really reflected yeah. at school, yeah. uh, about so what did I actually say in that situation? Hmm. What did I actually not say mm. that I should have? Mm. And uh, yeah, so the, my phrase now: there's actually great freedom in self-awareness. Okay. When you're really self-aware, that mm. actually I'm good at this, but at this, mm, nah, I am not. It's actually real freedom in that. That was a big part of your story last year, eh? Mm. Of just. Um, Finding out more about your strengths and your weaknesses and saying, well, actually, this is who I am. This is who I'm not. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Was there any other, like, real key lesson from last year, I think, that you might want to share that maybe could help us here? You have to remind me, Eric. Well, I think for you, you kept a journal, I think. Yep. Did some journaling. Journaling, read books. That, that, that book, um, uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, really good book. Highly yeah. recommended. Yeah. Um, as Christians, we often focus on the spiritual, but don't... Uh, a lot of the homework's actually also on the emotional side. Mm. That um, you can be fifty-something and still have the emotional maturity of a ten-year-old. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> okay, right. You don't have to apologise for that. Oh, I remember. I remember getting to that section, and, and he, he he did it in in terms of of age. You know, he's infant and child and teenager and young yeah. adult, yeah. and the emotional da da. And I remember circling some of the kids. One was like, "Oh mm. man." <laughs> <laughs> Embarrassing and humbling, and okay, God, okay, yeah, man, I got some work to do. Yeah, but you had the courage to do that work, which is really, and it was great you could have the time off because not all of us can do that, but it was yeah, great privilege. in your circumstance that you could do that. It's a privilege. Yeah. And so, as you went through that year um, and you've come through it, what's happened for you? Well, I, I think, you know, a freedom thing in, in life is to hold everything loosely, mm. you know, to, and that was part of God. Steiger is not my identity, you know. God, I, I let it all go. Maybe I've done my term. Let it, just held everything. Let it all go. Absolutely. When God, I'll go back and, I don't know, maybe I'll teach. Maybe I'll do something. Mm. Um, but I, I'm back full-time in Steiger, and uh, I'm so happy. And we were talking the other day in terms of mm. I'm doing what I should be doing and not doing what I shouldn't be doing. Mm. Uh, it's, yeah. yeah. I'm, so, I'm in my and, zone where I should be. And so that was probably the central thing that came out, eh, that, that square peg round hole thing and yeah. for you it was just about yep. what really works for you. Yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. They were offering me these jobs to write policies and whatever. I was like, oh well shoot me now. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm a practitioner. I, that's what God's called me to do. And I just realized that and said, nah, don't don't promote me or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. just I'm the wrong person. Yeah. And I said that and I can say it now with yeah, because I know who I am. Yeah. But also something for you about prayer happened, eh? Like, I think three times a day or something like that? Uh, part of it, I, I went to a um, monastery down south because um, it was really outside my box. I'm a, I love people and stuff, but mm. I went to this monastery and they pray seven times a day, starting at 4.30 in the morning. Mm. I never made that one. <laughs> or the 6.30. <laughs> I think I made the 8 o'clock one. <laughs> but what, what challenged me was the rhythm of prayer and so for me, the simplest thing for me, it's so working as I pray three times a day now. Mm. Uh, I just stop. It can just be lunchtime for 10 minutes. And then every evening, 
and just review the day. And for me, it's so working. It's just, mm. it just keeps me centered. It keeps things in perspective. Mm. I mean, that simple discipline for me is just a joy. You know, mm. it really just, it works for me. I, mm. It sounds simple, yeah. but it's really revolutionized. That's been a great outcome, eh, of mm. just being a bit more reflective last year. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, instead of blasting ahead with lots of passion, but not mm. so much wisdom. Good on you. Well, thank you, Bryce. Let's give him a hand. Thank, nice. you. thank you. Thanks, bro. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Well, I'm going to give you some steps to avoid burnout. Would you like that? Would you like to avoid it? All right. So um, we hope that you can do that. So you can either remember or if you're taking notes, here's some steps so you can avoid burnout. Number one, intentionally invest in your friendship with God. You just heard an example from Bryce, his own life. Very, very important. Jesus invites us to come to me, all who are what? who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest, Jesus says. That, that's his promise to us. Uh, he wants us to come to him. He wants to be the source of life. He is the vine, and we're the branch. And we have to need to come to him. Like Bryce, in his case, he's got this three times a day way of praying that helps him to stop and really focus and tune in with God, connect with God. Find something that works for you. Uh, you need to run the race to finish it well, and to not end in burnout. That's God's will for your life. His will for your life is not to become a burnout and a victim or a statistic, but to run that race well. And if God gives you a task, he's going to give you the desire to do that task. Develop a walk with God where you know his voice. Uh, so that way you live a life that's cold instead of driven. Did you catch that? If you learn to hear God's voice, you can be about obeying his voice and that sense of calling he has on your life, rather than being driven to achieve this or driven to do that, that can make all the difference. Number two step to avoid burnout. Embrace God's view of success, which is what? It's about, it's not what you are achieving, but it's about who you are becoming. Got that? God's definition of success is not about what you are achieving, but it's about who I am becoming. It's about who you are becoming. So be intentional about the, yes, the outward journey, uh, the thing of achieving and ministry, but also be intentional about this inward journey. Like Bryce was just talking about that. That's what last year was kind of a kickstart for him. And he got into this book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which looks like that. Highly recommend this book because this book talks about our need to have our being with God be a circle that's about as large as our, the circle of our doing for God. And it challenges us to have this commitment to doing the inward journey, to doing that well. All right? So be, be committed to emotionally healthy spirituality. Step number three, to avoid burnout. Do a reality check on expectations. Is this goal or expectation realistic? What's the pressure that's underneath that goal? You know, exhausted people are just hopelessly optimistic about how much they can achieve. You ever met someone like that? My wife says that I'm like that. Yeah, she's shaking her head yes over there. All right? Um, yep, there you go. And as she knows, I can be hopelessly optimistic about how much I can achieve or, or how much I can do in a day. You ever met anybody like that? Or how much you can do in a week? Um, or how many days in a row that you can work? And by the way, a mortgage or a business is meant to serve your family. It's not to rob them of their father or their mother. All right? So if you find that your business or your mortgage, or whatever it is that you're putting energy into, if that's t robbing your family of your presence, it's time just to stop and think about that. Number four way to avoid burnout, 
Establish some goals around diet, exercise, sleep, and recreation. That's part of my journey and continues to be part of my journey. With Bryce, that was part of his. Uh, invite a friend or trusted advisor to hold you accountable to those goals. All right? Do that because then you're going to achieve those goals. Here's a statement from Dave Riddell. When the mind is tired, exercise only the body. When the body's tired, exercise only the mind. When both are tired, do what? Go to bed. You like that? That's pretty good advice, isn't it? All right. And number five step to avoid burnout, refuse to go it alone. Refuse to go it alone. Be intentionally in relationship with people. All right? Small group or one-on-one -on -one with someone. Um, read and put into practice the ideas in this book, fantastic book called How People Grow. I don't have it here. How People Grow by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Outstanding book. Have the courage to be accountable. All right? Have a mentor. Have a coach. Have a supervisor. Have a trusted advisor. A life that's lived in openness and accountability in front of one person, you know, can prevent burnout. That's my story, and it's Bryce's story. That can be your story. You don't have to burn out. You don't have to live in isolation and then just have this crash. Does that make sense? Yeah, so the theme of this whole thing has been it's okay to not be okay. And so I want to finish with an invitation that Jesus has for all of us, including myself. And it's in Matthew chapter 11. It's verses 28 to 30. And it's in the message translation. And it says this. It won't be up on the screen. You just need to listen carefully. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So would you stand up with me? Let's just be quiet for a moment. The, the, the team's going to come. Let's just let's close our eyes, and let's think about that phrase, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. This has been a tremendous series that we've had over a number of Sunday nights. But ultimately, for each one of us here, life for us is about coming to Jesus and living out this invitation that we've just heard. Where Jesus says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Lord Jesus, I thank you that that's your invitation to us. And I pray for every person here, including myself, that we would find you, Jesus. We'd find you as that good shepherd, as that person who loves us with the most amazing kind of love, and that you guide us. You don't, uh, you're not a shepherd that drives us from behind, but you, you gently lead us and guide us. And so, Lord, I speak out your blessing over every person here. Pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be men and women who know you, God, and we make you known. And as we do that, we walk in this unforced rhythm of grace because we experience your life and your grace and your presence in us and through us. And God's people said, Amen. Thank you, guys.